You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. The Times presents The Greatest Test. And here is your host, Andy Zaltzman. Hello. Hello and uh, welcome to the Greatest SD Quiz Show from The Times, dedicated to the 2013 Ashes. I am Andy Zaltzman and if you told me at any point between 1989 and 2003 that England would play below their best in an Ashes series, well I would have believed you straight away. But if you'd have told me they'd have played below their best and still be 3-0 up (laughs) in the final test, I'd have thought you were medically unsound. And if you told me three weeks ago that Shane Watson would score a sensational 176 in a test match, I would have assumed it was code for an impending nuclear strike and I would have hidden in a shed. Still, let's take the positives. Much better from England uh, on the first day of the Oval Test than against the opposition number three last year when Hashim Amla scored 311 not out. So (laughs) next year's going to be awesome. Uh, since the uh, last show, uh, well, um, well, we already heard that England has proved themselves unquestionably the number one cricket team in the world at winning the Ashes, and thus, <laughs> in the eyes of most of the English cricket media and public, the number one cricket team in the world. But despite this, we are suddenly in selectorial meltdown, relatively speaking. Two debutants in the same test. England haven't done that in an Ashes match since 1997, when the Hollyoaks made their uh, debuts together, by the uh, hyper-stable standards of the central contracts era, when at times it's felt like a player would have to have assassinated the Pope to get dropped. This is the equivalent of a match in the 1980s when eight players were sacked and the captain publicly executed on the outfield. (laughs) Uh, Australia, of course, have picked up the baton of selectorial randomness and smashed themselves on the head with it. Uh, After using 16 different players in India earlier this year, they have now, with James Faulkner's debut at the Oval, fielded 17 baggy greensters in this series alone. That equals Australia's record for most ever players used in an away series. (laughs) Set in the West Indies uh, in the early 1980s. Um, That that is a fact. I spend too much time looking up statistics. Um, (laughs) So, uh, so who are the Oval Tests? Uh, first day, just, just finished as we record. Uh, doesn't feel like a particularly crucial uh, encounter, maybe some psychological points to be scored before, before the resumption of hostilities in Brisbane in November. Did England miss a trick fielding these two debutants, or did they play a trick, keeping Finn and Tremlett unseen by Australian eyes? 307 for four after England's two debut bowlers took to test cricket like a duck to the front of a fast-moving heavy goods vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> It um, didn't help that uh, Alistair Cook dropped a pretty easy slip catch from Watson just after he'd passed 100. If not quite an absolute sitter, it was certainly a catch that had made itself a cup of tea, had a newspaper tucked under its arm, and was pondering the relative merits of the armchair and the sofa. So, um, okay, that's a slightly contrived sitter joke. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> boom. Uh, so this is the final show of this uh, series of The Greatest Test. We are here uh, in Chiswick, and uh, it's time to meet our two teams uh, for today. We've run out of fair ways to pick the teams. We started off with... Uh, Trying to do England v Australia, uh, but um, uh, this this week, for the first time, we're we're going to try and balance out the uh, unfairness that we've seen uh, through through the Ashes. Really, just uh, you know, unfair that um, Australia have been slightly more incompetent at hitting a ball with a cricket bat than England. So to try and uh, balance that out, we're going to have three against two this week. We've selected them entirely at random, with no thought for what has come before and no thought for what may yet be to come. Also known as the cricket Australia method. So um, let's meet our first team. Uh, um, 
it, let's call them, for the sake of arguments, the Douglas Jardine's Lucky Iguana Memorial Tomb. Um, <laughs> firstly, unlike Australia, he's excellent in a chase, or in the chase, the ITV hit quiz show. He's the 14th ranked quizzer in Britain, the Nick Knight of knowledge, the Freddie Flintoff... <laughs> The Freddie Flintoff of facts, the Malcolm Marshall of the miscellaneous, the uh, Tim Tremlett of trivia. Uh, it's a fantastic comedian, it's Paul Sinha. <laughs> Paul, welcome. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome to the greatest test. Oh, thank you very much, thanks for having me. How's your ashes been? Uh, the whole, like everybody's ashes, really, a curate's egg. Never knowing quite what was going to happen next. Some, I, I cannot actually watch cricket when Australia are on top. And the weird thing about this series... I think some of the umpires have felt that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the weird thing about this series is they've actually been on top for most of the series and are still 3-0 down. It's been a very odd series. Yes. Curate's omelette, I'd go so Curate's omelette, yes. Curate's egg. Um, and alongside Paul, uh, another comedian who's both a mod and a chutney manufacturer. <laughs> now, that is a biathlon I would like to see made into an Olympic sport. It's Ian Moore. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ian, uh, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming. Um, Thank you. Uh, the, uh, did you, what kind of chutney? You actually make chutneys? I make, I make is this chutney. on a semi-professional It's actually basis, quite or? linked to being a mod because fresh fruit is very messy if you eat it. Whereas right. if you just boil it down and put it in a jar, nobody gets hurt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you want from fresh fruit. The number of fruit-related injuries. I think, um, I'm pretty sure Chris Lewis missed a test match in the after. He's making his own chutney elsewhere yeah. now. Okay. <laughs> he is, yeah. Probably not eating a massive amount of fresh fruit as we speak. Um, so, and up against uh, Paul uh, and Ian on the other team, the Wendy Wimbush Wanderers. Um, and um, I do remember, who remembers Wendy Wimbush? Well, one of the great names in broadcasting history. She was the BBC scorer. There just aren't enough people called Wendy Wimbush in the world for me. Uh, firstly, one of the great cricket minds of our age, a man who's seen more cricket than you've had hot dinners. The Michelangelo of cricket writing, only he doesn't need a special scaffold or four years to finish a piece. It's Gideon Haig. Gideon, uh, um, how's, it, how's it been as, a, as an Australian journalist? It's been interminable. <laughs> <laughs> in, my, um, in my optimistic moments, I say, huh, only one to go. In my pessimistic ones, I say, huh, only six to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, how do you, do you think Australia are, are kind of scoring any useful points uh, ahead of the, uh, the return series in, uh, in the winter? Or... Uh, is it going to be more of the same, do you think? Oh, well, it won't be more of the same because, I mean, over, no one's going to dominate a test series, a, a test cycle like this from start to finish. I don't think either of these teams are, are good enough to, uh, to, to boss the other team round from, from go to woe. I did think my original prognostication was 3-1 England for, uh, for this series. It's actually looking not too bad at the moment. Right. How much money did you put on that? I put absolutely no money at all. I'm a Times <laughs> journalist, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, and joining, uh, uh, joining Gideon uh, on the Wendy Wimbush Wanderers team, uh, it is uh, the, the finest musicians in cricket since Andy Roberts gave up his signature brand of chin music. Um, it's, uh, it's the Duckworth-Lewis method, Neil Hannon and Thomas Walsh. <laughs> Thank you.
Hello. Absolutely. Hello. Hello. Thanks very much for for coming on uh, coming on the show. Uh, now you've uh, you've produced um, album cricket albums in 2009, 2003, uh, 2013. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Both of those summers, England have won the Ashes. Yes, and the weather has been amazing. I was going to say, it takes almost as long as Shane Watson does to score a <laughs> century. Are you feeling a little bit guilty now about your lack of cricket albums between 1989 and 2003? <laughs> oh my God, it's all our fault. I'm so sorry. Um, admittedly, I don't think we were very well prepared to write our first cricket album, you know, in the late 80s. When I didn't know you. Indeed. Right. Uh, but had you been thinking or, ahead? <laughs> or, or in that sticky period between 1930 and 37. <laughs> I'm making that up, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Did these work? Jingle? No, yeah, they do work. We'll need them at some, some point. There, there we go, There's, we have our... The buzz is here. We've written... <laughs> that was basically... Do you know what that was? That's basically Kevin Peterson's internal monologue. <laughs> so, um, Douglas, Douglas Jardine, Lucky Iguana Memorial 2. You have two minutes to tell us why this entire English team should get MBEs. Apart from those who've already got them, who should be knighted, including uh, Simon Carrigan and Chris Wokes after today's slightly alarming <laughs> They need all the help they can get. If they can get royal help as well, then good for them. I, I think this team deserve MBEs because they've, what they've brought to the English cricket fan is an emotional diversity that we've never had before. We were either up briefly or down. So we've, 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 they've kind of broadened out that emotional thing. And for anybody, I'm of a certain age, I don't know how much of the audience is of a certain age, but if you followed English cricket, 89 to 2003, the depths oh, of despair. <laughs> I mean, and, like, and like you said at the start, we're winning tests by not playing very well against Australia. That's a fantastic feeling. <laughs> Anybody who bought the Evening Standard in 1994 and saw the Ashes Party announced for that winter, this is just marvellous. <laughs> Are you having a go at Alan Mulally? I won't no, have no, no, he wasn't in there. That was Martin McCaig and Joey Benjamin. Joey, Benjamin. Joey Benjamin, God so, bless him. This is, this is a high point. <laughs> the Simon Lord Lincoln Kerrigan. of English oh, oh, <laughs> And what's more, when England got the MBEs in 2005, they were brilliant, and they still fluked the series. It's, it, I mean, there was so much luck involved with them winning the series. Everything from McGrath's injury to Shane Warne dropping that catch. Here, they haven't even got out of second gear, and they're winning 3-0. They all deserve knighthoods, not least Ian Bell, because I put £2 on Sherman A to getting a knighthood in 2005 at 20,000 to 1. So, <laughs> no, of course not, but that's what you would have got. That's what you, that is what, that's what you could have got. Yeah, and what's more, Australia need to know that we're not finished with sporting success. Success. Yes, we won the Olympics in that we were the. <laughs> we got more gold medals than any of the normal the countries. Yeah, um, and, uh, and yes, we won the. We, we, we won the tennis. England won the tennis. Um, uh, Face it, Scott. Snooker. As well, Ronnie O'Sullivan. <laughs> Ronnie O'Sullivan. And we're not finished. And yet we will keep rewarding people who win, of course. Yeah. Ian Bell. I think Ian Bell should. He should get a dame. Should get a dame hood. Should get a Anything dame. Which going? Just to have a go. Maggie Smith. <laughs> Maggie Smith would be perfect for. <laughs> there you go. So, Chris, how many points did they score for that, sir? The uh, Douglas Jardine's uh, lucky iguana two <laughs> scored three. Thank you. Three points. <laughs> now, for uh, for the Wendy Wimbush Wanderers to my right, you have two minutes to tell us why this whole Australian team 
should get MBEs for their own contributions to this, this agency. I told you. <laughs> well, I, I would say that uh, for contribution to uh, nostalgia, in the sense that they have allowed England to relive the 1990s completely in reverse. <laughs> because, of course, Australia are now the New England and England the New Australia. And therefore, you can relive all those painful memories and, and work through them slowly, painstakingly, right. and come out the other side and appropriate the word schadenfreude for, uh, for, for, for English cricket. Isn't there a Sheffield Shield cricketer called Schadenfreude? He's the only player who hasn't played for Australia this year. <laughs> Actually, killer stat, Andy. Uh, you mentioned the 17 who've been over here, who've represented Australia this summer, but there have been 36 Australian players over here representing Australia in Champions Trophy and the Australia A team. And we've only got six first-class teams. <laughs> it's like every child wins a prize. Right. Have, you, have you been uh, like asked if you're available for the, for the one-day I actually, I actually don't have an average on this tour. I've played one innings, I got 100 playing for a club team, and I was not out at the end of it, so I'm... I'm determined to maintain that. I'm going to go nowhere near a cricket bat for the rest of the tour. <laughs> really, I think well, Phil Hughes made the same resolution, didn't he? After <laughs> at the start week. of the tour. <laughs> I think uh, obviously they sh they should all be given MBEs because it would be so wonderfully patronising. <laughs> uh, can you imagine the look on their faces as they have to, you know, come up and collect them? If they're just taking the piss. Well, that's an interesting idea that you should give them for effort rather than achievement because you know most people get MBs have already succeeded you know we should be giving oh give MBs them MBs to losers absolutely yeah. they'd hate it yeah. get them everything there we go so what is the Wendy Wimbush Wanderers score was it Wanderers or Warriors sorry oh well, let's go for Warriors it was okay. Wanderers but I, I like to think of Wendy Wimbush at the head of an <laughs> army <laughs> like Bodicea <laughs> well this army trails three points to two I can uh, see this strong resemblance to QI in a completely mysterious scoring <laughs> system. Great, <laughs> yeah. yeah. right, let's, uh, uh, let's move on now to round two, which is generated by our studio audience. Uh, they've, they've sent in uh, questions. Could be anything from sporting trivia to a, a matter of opinion. Let's start uh, with uh, Glenn Petrouche from Melbourne. Is Glenn here? What do you think is the greatest, uh, Shane Watson's greatest contribution to the Australian cricket team? Bear in mind, this was sent in before he smacked. <laughs> 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 he has answered that question for you. <laughs> I think it's hair. He's got a fabulous kind of late 70s, early 80s kind of... Uh, neuromantic. Oh, it's he, not he, even yeah. neuromantic, it's more sort of Dave Edmonds, almost. He, he does add a, a he adds a definite blondness at the Dave Australian Edmonds. side. Yeah. Totally. He's got rock pile hair. Can you ever imagine yourselves writing a song about Shane Watson? No. No. <laughs> B-side, B-side, maybe. You're basically got a whole concept album out of Shane Watson, for goodness sake. <laughs> Look, right. I must say he's, um, he's the gift that keeps on giving for journalists. We wouldn't have had half the things to write about this summer if it hadn't been for Watto. So I'm, I'm four square behind him all the way. I keep Watto going, thank God. And how's his, uh, how's his relationship with Michael Clark at the moment? It was a funny moment. I don't know whether you watched the, uh, the, the, the game today. There was, a, there was a, uh, a cutaway when Watson successfully referred the, the LBW decision and there was sort of footage of uh, Clark and his Australian teammates laughing in the dressing room. <laughs> and I thought, 
Has that been subtly edited, that the actual, the, the laughter was immediately followed the referral rather than <laughs> the success of it? <laughs> oh, he's referred again, you beauty, let's see what happens this time. Statistically, he's not that, I mean, in the 90s, England would have killed for an all-rounder mm. with his test statistics. Mm. I mean, he's better than Mark Elam, Ronnie Irani, Adam Holliday. You can't just judge Elam on his stats. <laughs> you, um, you cannot judge Mark Elam on his stats. He was an artist. <laughs> but on the Brun thing, you, you might be right. When Stuart Broad got hit for six sixes against Yuvraj Singh, the selectors were asked, what does he bring to the team? And they said, we're sticking with him. He's a blonde. He's the only blonde we've got. So maybe you stick with him for that For that, I mean, Stuart Broad is now a match-winning cricketer. Perhaps this is, you know, maybe even this week. Yeah, Shane at the risk of sounding slightly racist, he looks like an Australian from space. <laughs> like he's so, he's just the archetypal Australian, isn't he? He, his, he looks like Leighton Hewitt's wife. It is. <laughs> and there we go. Can I say that is the least offensive thing anyone has ever said after starting at the risk of sounding slightly racist? <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to generalise, but he just really looks like an Australian. Uh, do you think there's going to be uh, many new faces in the, uh, in, uh, the return series? Later in well, the year. Well, that many. We've already picked 36 <laughs> cricketers this summer. We're running out of cricketers. Uh, I think, you know, over the course of five test matches, it's likely that people are going to fall over. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be acts of God during the, uh, during the series and acts of Warn as well. Because Warn is now sort of exercising, I think, this sort of strange sort of ventriloquism effect on, on Australian selection. You know, James Faulkner is a, is a Warn pick. Um, all the way through, and the idea of batting Haddon at six and accommodating Faulkner at seven is something that Warren actually said to me at Old Trafford. That's what I do. I'm surprised it's taken them two <laughs> test matches to actually go along with with what Warney says. But you can see, you know, we joke now when we see Lehman talking to Warren in the morning. We say, "Oh, Lehman's getting his morning briefing." <laughs> <laughs> Shane Warren's the only sportsman who gave up his profession and got fitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he looked like me when he played. <laughs> and now he looks incredible. I remember Bold him when he was old. And, right. and how's, how's your legs been? My legs are bits. <laughs> they spin a lot when he's walking. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but no, it is incredible. I mean, it just shows you the wonderful. That's, I think that's the genius of cricket. Yeah, yeah. Even, I mean, Razor Ruddock gave up football. And just became a giant steak <laughs> <laughs> covered with lager, you know. And yeah. it's, you know, just within a week. So I think it's brilliant. Well done, Shane Moore. Well done, Liz Hurley. Uh, let's move on to the next, uh, the next, uh, next question uh, from anonymous. Jeffrey <laughs> um, <laughs> Boycott scored an incredible eight thousand one hundred and fourteen runs in tests, with an average of forty-seven point seven two. With all this in mind, what would he be like as a lover? <coughs> <laughs> Oh, come on, own up if you're out there. That's brilliant. Who asked that? Did any of you ask that? That was you, was it? Why, why, why uh, what, what, uh, uh, Mr. Anon? Why, um, <laughs> what, um, do, you, do you think a, 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 you know, a, a player's test batting average is, has, is directly correlated to their, their quality in the sack or not? Just thinking slow and steady wins the race. Um, well, it depends what race it is. <laughs> try, try telling that to Usain Bolt. <laughs> I was rather hoping you'd have one of those vocal disguises on your voice. <laughs> I wish, I wish I did. No. What, um, I mean, what do you think boycott would be like as a, as a, as a companion of the night? I think. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible idea. <laughs> that sounds I like an MBE. <laughs> I think he would just, you know, it starts steady. 
Keep going steadily. This is wrong. <laughs> a nudge so here, been, a nurdle there. He would have been the he would have been the sting of the seventies. Tantric sex. You would have been like forty-eight hours on it. Tantric boycott. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and got dropped for taking too long, probably. <laughs> <laughs> some, of, some of us don't actually have to imagine this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. Uh, threesome with Wayne Larkins. It was. It was, it was a. <laughs> A very interesting evening all round, and he, he was he was disappointing, really. Right. But um, but oddly enough, he spent two hours stuck on sixty nine, which was. <laughs> uh, I think he do, do actually it. have a. I do actually have a dirty Jeff boycott joke. Right, right. Continue. Right. Should I? Should those I those words are not said often enough. Yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, Jeffrey boycotts uh, on his way to commentate, and he gets into the lift, and um, he finds himself with a sultry voluptuous blonde and she says hmm Shame, Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Boycott 151 first class hundreds highest score 261 not out hmm what a man I tell you what I'd like to go down on you right now and suck your enormous <laughs> and Jeffrey says oh well, that's all very well but what's in it for me <laughs> The immortal words of John Arlott. <laughs> <laughs> he'd constantly be invoking the spirit of Fred Truman like he does in his commentary, wouldn't he? It'd, it'd, it'd be like all the time he'd just finish it in the end and go, that was too good for thee, lad. <laughs> <laughs> when I say lad, of course, you can... <laughs> You're reading too much of the corridor of uncertainty. <laughs> yes, uh, well, he wouldn't spend long enough there, obviously. <laughs> Right, have we... Uh, <laughs> a whole new meaning to line and length. <laughs> have we satisfactorily answered? Oh, good. I'm glad, I'm glad. Um, let's move on to John Lloyd. Would the panel agree that Bob Willis is the last person on earth that you'd like to be stuck in a lift with? Or is it still Jeff Boycott? <laughs> well, I said, I, I said in an interview recently that he reminds me of a Dalek after a stroke. <laughs> Bob Willis? Yeah. <laughs> But I love him because he was my first idol of cricket right. back yeah. in Dublin. I just thought the hair was incredible. Big like hair. yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he used to have this thing where his arm would whip behind his back and then he'd stick the ball in the air and then he'd bowl. Yeah. So I only, he was the first person I saw taking wickets out of the ground, you know, like bouncing and all. Yeah, yeah. So I love Bob Willis, but he is a quite incredible character. When he's on Sky Sports News, he smiles a lot because there's a yeah. girl there interviewing <laughs> a woman. <laughs> and then when he's yeah. on the verdict, he's like, I don't know, Stalin or something. Yeah, you kind of expect him to get a black cap out and just yeah. yeah. So he's, Johnny he's, he's versatile. I think he's. I think he's he'd yeah. be brilliant to get stuck in a lift with. I think he's a very unhappy man. <laughs> I just, I just I, he just comes across as so unhappy and so unlikable. And How could you be unhappy with 325 test wickets? Mm. Well, he's, I he's, can't he's, imagine he's, that. Jimmy Anson, of course, overtook him today, didn't he? But, so he's lost, he's now number three. Oh, he's going to be even more miserable on the verdict tonight, isn't he? I think but, anybody who's changed his middle name to Dylan has to be worth being in a lift with for a while, yeah. at least. Just to ask yeah, he, what yeah, exactly he's... he was thinking. Because <laughs> we, we met Michael Atherton and he told us that he hates music. Right. That was, a, <laughs> that was an incredible thing <laughs> just to hear from a human being. He hates music. Michael Atherton hates music. <laughs> hey, look, he just you came heard up, it here first. He just came up and said, <laughs> where now for Michael Atherton? <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but I think he should be the next Bond, Michael Atherton, because he's right. the coolest person we've ever met, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah he would make an excellent Bond. I He'd think. make a brilliant Bond. He's, he's too scruffy. Do you reckon? Oh, no, he's no. far too scruffy to be a Bond. They'd have to have Balak Stewart body doubling. <laughs> 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 
I think there's a new cricket candidate, isn't there? Because if you're genuinely stuck in a lift, um, surely the, the last cricketer that you want to be stuck in a lift mm. with was one who lacked rudimentary basic bladder control. And so... <laughs> I, th- I think there's a very obvious candidate in, 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 in Mr Monty Panesar as what being the, the person... Did he, not show gr- <laughs> did he not show great bladder control? <laughs> he managed to hit a bouncer from a balcony. Because <laughs> he got in Brighton as well. It's by the sea. That's probably a bit of a sea breeze, isn't it? He, yeah, he allowed for that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the next Bond movie, bladder control. I've actually been staying with Mike uh, on this tour and um, does he have a CD player of any kind? <laughs> Actually your, that remark explains quite a lot because it has been one of the common characteristics of our car journeys during the series has been how rubbish the music has been on the radio and I, I haven't had the heart to ask you know why he listens to such crap but, he doesn't, uh, it just sounds like now I know it's just noise 326 or 7 <laughs> does he burn a piano every morning or something <laughs> <laughs> we're heading towards the interval we're going to just have a quick uh, round that we, we launched last week it is the English or Australian round and you're not allowed to look at my screen for this bit um, <laughs> oh, highly professional. Right. So, um, you have to tell me, these are test cricketers. Right. Two for each team. You have to tell me whether they're English or Australian. And then there is a true or false question to follow. So, firstly, we'll start... Is it on the buzzers? It's not on the buzzers. No. Oh. I'll give it one to each, one to each team. So, uh, the, right. first, the first one, uh, this is for the Douglas Jardine Lucky Ikuana Memorial 2. Uh, the cricketer is a dolphin. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I know. It's got to be Australian. Because they're all they're all outdoors, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Definitely. We're going Australian, and it was an all-rounder. Really? Yeah. Good average. Do you Leggy. Yeah. Had a good flipper. Well. <laughs> 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 I feel dirty. That deserves either an extra point or all your points rescinded. <laughs> You're wrong. He was English. Oh. Uh, played one test for England in the 1920-21 Ashes. He was Arthur, a Yorkshireman. Yeah, Arthur Dolphin. Arthur Dolphin. Yep. Yep. And he found a dolphin in the River Tee today, didn't he? Well, there we go. I saw that on the news. Was, uh, he was, he was, was he murdered? Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Sky News and Kay Morley said to a guy at the side of the river, has he spoken to you yet? Right. <laughs> so just thought I'd share that. That's the, that's the level of scoring at the moment. And the true or false? Arthur Dolphin was selected for England because at a selection dinner in a London restaurant, the notoriously gluttonous chief selector Viscount Redhorn Snutterbuck looked at the Daily Specials, looked at the Daily Specials board and said, "I think we should have Arthur Dolphin." <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what he says, this is false. I, I'm going with false. Is, it would be fantastic if that were true. That was a lovely selection policy. Yeah, sadly false. Although I did hear a story that when Monty Lynch was picked to play one days for England, someone said, shall we go for lunch? And they said, what, Lynch? Oh yeah, let's go for lunch. Well, I don't know if that's true. Is anyone else, is there, is there, have you heard that on the inside of the, the cricket? That probably passed you by the Monty, Monty Lynch's glorious international career. 1988, played yeah, I think three ODIs, that's right. zero, two and six. Yes. Oh, it's nice about. to meet a man who knows more than me <laughs> when it comes to totally meaningless cricket numbers. Makes me feel better. Right now, the next uh, the next one is uh, this for the Wendy Wimbush uh, Wanderers. Um, this uh, 
cricketer, tell me. English or Australian? Harry Burt. Say that again. Look at that little Harry Burt. <laughs> Is it Burke or Burr? Burt. Burt. Harry Burt. Harry Burt. Harry Burt. Harry Burt. Little Harry Butt. <laughs> Can you spell it, Andy? B U double T. Harry Butt. <laughs> oh, Butt. Butt. Nicky English or Australian? Well, there's Nicky Butt, but no, it's not going to be Harry. Well, that might have been a nickname. Seriously, there's no such man as Harry Butt. Harry Butt. Oh, it's Harry Butt. Harry Butt. So you were saying it with an Australian accent? He's not Australian. Harry Butt. He's not, no. No. That's a shame. You're correct, he's English. He played three tests in South Africa in 1895-96. Now, the true or false okay. question... Wasn't that the Boer War? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> the, the mind quite. boggles at the true or false question coming up. <laughs> Here we go. In his second test, Harry Butt was found to have slept with one of the umpires. <laughs> true or false? Shall we say false? So. False. false. The, it's actually true. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I wasn't asked. I think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and in what context? Well, the context... Anal, was it? <laughs> I don't know the actual... De- well, the context is that he actually was one of the umpires. He, they had five umpires listed <laughs> for the game. Of which He was England's wicketkeeper, number 11 batsman, mm. but he mm. also umpired. No. Yeah. Beautiful. So he did sleep with the umpires, and in fact, was he, he was one of the umpires. So technically, <laughs> he was in the same bed as himself. So. <laughs> I mean, saying. No, hang on. You can't sleep with somebody and be them at the same time. Oh, now we're getting into um, all kinds of complex no. philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> Try being single for yeah. 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Bo. Yeah. It's like Harry Bo. Har- Harry Bo. Mm. Look at that little Harry Butt. Ha- Harry, Harry, <laughs> Harry, Harry is, Harry is, is Salmon a dis- direct descendant? Salmon Butt. Or EJ? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put sleeping with the umpires past him. <laughs> <laughs> right, that concludes the first half. Chris, what is the half time scores? Wendy will be pleased uh, because uh, they are leading Douglas Jardine's Lucky Iguana Memorial Team 10 to 9. Ooh. There we go. Yes. So that brings us uh, to the. Which one um, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's easy to lose That is now half time, uh, stroke lunch, stroke tea. We'll be back in, in about 10 minutes uh, with the second half. Thanks so much. The Times presents The Greatest Test, part two. It's like part one, but better. Thank God. Thanks. Thanks very much. Welcome back to the uh, second half uh, of The Greatest Test. Just some uh, news coming in. And uh, we've got the uh, five-match one-day series between England and Australia coming up in September. Who's looking forward to that? Say it like you mean it. I don't think think literally no one is looking forward to that in the entire world. But they're bringing, the ICC's bringing in some new uh, innovations, further innovations, tactical innovations to try and make uh, 50 over cricket more exciting. There's now uh, a new power play in which the uh, captain of the batting team skippers the fielding team for five overs. <laughs> <laughs> he can choose the bowlers 
and uh, do the field placings. Uh, also, um, uh, there's, uh, I don't know what, the, the retirement of Michael Hussey's clearly affected this series quite mm. significantly, uh, Gideon, but they've just re- revealed why he retired, um, Mr. Cricket, of course, uh, and blood tests reveal that he does literally bleed cricket. Um, Frampton Marriott, the official Australian squad haematologist, confirmed we tested uh, Michael Hussey's blood group and it came back AB cricket positive. We'd always assumed he was born with cricket in his blood, but it turns out he actually acquired cricket from a faulty transfusion after he cut his head as a little boy whilst impersonating some stumps. Instead of pumping him full of normal blood, a bogus doctor accidentally injected him with a liquefied pulp made from the sweat from Dennis Lilly's headband. Ever since that, he's had cricket coursing through his veins. So, um... That's why he had to retire. Surely he came. <laughs> surely he came like A.B. de Villiers. <laughs> the audience are idiots. That's you. That is you in the front row. Great. So the first round of the second half is entitled "The Audience Are Idiots." Uh, we asked uh, we asked the audience um, some questions, and our panelists have to guess how they answered. Um, so each team has to guess an answer between the first two. We asked our audience, <laughs> who would win, a team of 11 Shane Watson clones or a team of 11 Stuart Broad clones? This isn't a cricket match. Uh, let me, emph- <laughs> let me emphasize that. Yeah, this, this sounds like a dream I once had. How's your Stuart Broad fixation these days? Paul? Oh, it's fine. I'm on right. Chris Wakes now. Really? <laughs> Even after today? Or do you like the vulnerability? Yeah. The vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he we, looks we, like a man who needs his shoulders to cry on. <laughs> well, we, had, we had to do a bit of, we were doing a bit of stuff today, walking away. So we missed the fourth day, but we heard that Wokes and Kerrigan yeah. didn't play very well. It was, a, it was a tough... Are you being too tough on them now? It was a tough start. Well... Um, How bad were they? Uh, well, Gideon, Gideon you, were the, you were there. It was, Kerrigan really struggled, didn't he? He, yeah, looked, he was wonderful. He looked nervous. Yeah. I mean, yeah, true. You, 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 potentially, you saw the soft underbelly of English cricket today. If these are the best players outside the current eleven, then you wouldn't risk one of them falling over with injury. Yeah. If, if Kerrigan's the second best spinner in Australia, in, in, in England, then. Uh, but I don't You've got think serious anybody, problems. Apart from Andy Flower, I don't think anybody thinks that. I mean, obviously, his, he's, he's his the decision best, counts yeah. quite important. He's the second best spinner who hasn't urinated on a bouncer. It's a very different well, issue. But there's Treadwell. I would have put Treadwell in front of him. Well, Kerrigan's had a, a great county season, hasn't he? Well, averaging mm. 20 odd foot. It just shows you how meaningless like having a great county season is. Yeah. Well, sorry for bringing a football into it, but Liverpool in their heyday had 12 players. Hmm. And they won. Well, that's, that, well, that's yeah. why they won everything, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not at the same time. All right. <laughs> Smart arse. <laughs> no, uh, you know what I mean. I mean, what's this obsession with having 50 players yeah. to pick from? It's ridiculous. Mm. If you have a winning side, keep it. Don't rest players. Play mm. them all the time on the day. Back of their legs, snap open in half. <laughs> Live on Sky Sports. You know, look at it and laugh. And say, uh, so, who would win? A team of Watsons or a team of Broads? Broads. Oh, we're saying broads. Yeah. Broads. You're both saying. Well, because women are clearly better than Shane Watson. <laughs> a team of a team of broads, so as in yeah. women broads. from a kind of from from the 1940s <laughs> musical. <laughs> what about a team of broads against a team of hussies? That's probably a lot of <laughs> not that kind of show, gentlemen. Seventy-five <laughs> percent uh, said broad, so both teams were correct. Mm. We were the only one to use a buzzer. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's get let's get the buzzers involved. Right, right. The next question: uh, We asked our audience after David Warner's summer, 
if they thought he was, if they still thought he is a tool, or has he won them over? What percentage of our audience has been won over by David Warner? On the bottom, yes. I'd say they agree that he has won them over. Right. Because can you put a num numerical value on that what percentage? Of Seventy-three percent. Seventy-three. Less. Less. Seventy-two. Uh, <laughs> Seventy-two. <laughs> good game. Good game. <laughs> it's eighty-six. It's great. Yeah, we won. We won. Yeah. Won over by. Uh, have you? All, I mean, who who hasn't been won over by Warner yet? You're not. You, uh, no, you're, and you're Australian. Yeah. So, yeah. what? Um, and what's your what's your beef with with Warner? Other than the fact that he keeps getting out for nothing in the first innings. He's advertising socks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I can't think of a more un-Australian thing to do. Right. Well, complain, I knew you were going to say that. People complain, don't they, about... Oh, that's that's oh, incredible. It's the greatest non-sequitur since Graham Chapman said lemon curry on Monty Python. Well, there's a lot of complaints getting out about the, the, the current crop of Australian cricketers aren't, you know, kind of manly and Australian mm. enough. I mean, advertising socks, I mean, where, where does Australian cricket go from there? That's That's it. Michael Clark did underpants a couple really? of years ago, immediately before he became Australian captain. Not a chapter of his life he wants to revisit, <laughs> I might say. Man and Ricky Ponting, Ricky Ponting actually gave up his uh, deodorant advertisements before he became Australian captain. In fact, the story was that he was told that he had become Australian captain while he was dressed as a can of deodorant <laughs> doing an advertisement in a Sydney street. Really? I believe, didn't the same thing happen with Warwick Armstrong? Well, um, well that's, I mean, that's, also, I mean, that's, I can understand him having to give up, because, I mean, certainly as an English, as an English cricket fan, you like to assume that Australian mm. cricket captains absolutely stink. Okay, that concludes that round of the show. The audience, having proved themselves to be idiots, uh, almost as much as the panel. Proved <laughs> Chris, what's the, uh, what is the current score? Uh, the uh, Wendy Wimbush Warriors have 12, and uh, Douglas Jardine's Lucky Iguana Memorial 2 have 9, 10, 11. 11. Oh. 11. Uh, so, uh, we're on now to the round that is called uh, Producer Chris's Wife. Is that the name of the round? It is now. We've got, oh, to, right. okay. We've got to produce Chris's Wife. Um, Chris's Wife. If you've not heard the show before, she's not, she hates cricket. Um, quite why Chris has remained married to her is a mystery that is factually <laughs> without, without explanation. Um, but she has described four Ashes stars from the point of view of someone who never watches cricket and inherently disapproves of it. Our <laughs> panellists have to guess who she's describing. Uh, so listen to the description and then buzz in when it finishes. Um, he looks quite anxious, like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, he's got Shane fairly Watson. long face, dark, kind of fluffy, wavy hair. Um, not long, though. And, I don't know, by the look on his face, I imagine his team was pretty rubbish. Oh, it's Cook, isn't it? Cook? Is it Cook? It's not Cook. Oh, ah. Wavy hair. What? Yeah. Phil Tufnell. For not Phil Tufnell. No. Is the current Ashes people? I don't know. Is it current? Is a current player? Uh, Tufnell era. Tufnell oh, era. Tufnell era. Oh, oh, right. Oh, keep going. That doesn't narrow it down, does it? <laughs> do you want, do you want <laughs> to hear it again? Weight of the world on show. We hear it again. Yeah. Um, he looks quite anxious. Like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, he's got. Fairly long face, dark, kind of fluffy, wavy hair. 
Um, not long, though. And I don't know, by the look on his face, I imagine his team was pretty rubbish. It's, it's Atherton, isn't it? Is it Atherton? It is. It is. <laughs> Gideon's hopes, Michael yeah. Atherton. Yeah, so. That's, that, that, I'll, sounds, I'll that sounds like the next Bond to me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Chris Gale will be the we next the Bond. First, Chris Gale would be a great Bond. It'd be, it'd be a great Doctor Who as well. Yeah. It would change that show <laughs> massively. <laughs> If Doctor Who starts smacking sixes over mid wicket, <laughs> great the tar disappeared on the crease, wouldn't it? Tour day, that would be awesome. It'd be amazing. Yeah, right in the middle. That would really make the pitch report a lot more interesting. <laughs> it is. So there's a bit of spin outside uh, outside the left handers off stump, and also there's a Tardis <laughs> right on the line of middle and leg that could really affect the seamers. <laughs> you see the keys go all the way in. That sonic screwdriver would go in. Right, next. Chris. This one's older for the sake of Paul. So, so yeah. Buzz in at the end of the description. It's a black and white photo. He's got lots of thick black hair, um, kind of longish. He looks pretty athletic in that pose and looks like quite a nice chap, actually. That could be almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> Bjorn Borg. <laughs> it's not Bjorn Borg. Beyond, but he never quite made it into the England team, I think. Mm. Okay. He was just uh, yeah, terrific Close. tennis player, just yeah. not great at cricket. Yeah. We're going to go for Willis. Bob Willis. It's not Willis. Not Willis. Not Willis. Oh. Any uh, um, yeah. how, how far oh, back oh, does this oh. go? Oh. Mike Brearley? Further back than that. Further back than oh, Brearley. Because right. you did play. Fred Truman. Freddie Truman. Oh, Freddie Truman. Oh, Truman. Oh, All right. right. Freddie Truman. Freddie Truman, the greatest Jewish cricketer in history. Um, he, uh, that's a fact. He, he discovered he was Jewish late in life. That's that's right. Isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And what were the giveaway signs? Well, they're just. Uh, and, and, and You're desperate for somebody to ask. Absolute it? disgust at the concept of eating pork. <laughs> not, not bowling Jordan Honecker. <laughs> that, that too. That was partly yeah. due to him having retired. But um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. And no foreskin. That, yeah, the foreskin dropped off in his last game for Yorkshire. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to... It was a very cold early season game against Cambridge University. And Cox trying to clean the ball with a dreidel. <laughs> Is that why he was a fan of uncovered yeah. pitches? <laughs> right. Well, we appear to divert him to Fred Truman's penis. <laughs> It's a name for a band, isn't it? <laughs> it's a name for a band. Also the name of one of the Queen Mother's horses. <laughs> That's a fact. Um, <laughs> um, right, That's, uh, let's have the next one. He's quite broad, um, a skinhead. He's got a really square jaw, a bit like an action man head. And I presume he plays for England, but he is wearing a whale's top by the looks of it. Simon Jones. Mm-hmm. It is Simon Jones. Oh, Jones. Oh, well Rick um, That's straight in there. Action the man, very good description. Yep. Yeah. Or yeah, sadly, lack of action man mm. since the uh, mm. inaction man. S- inaction man. <laughs> <laughs> what a toy that was! It was a much more cerebral toy. Doing some paperwork. Um, <laughs> and finally, the last. Um, he's leaning over at a funny angle. He's got loads of blonde, really blonde hair. Looks like it's swept back. And he's got a very lined face, quite um, wrinkly looking. 
David Kerr? Gower. No. Not uh, more recent. More recent than that. Sir David Kerr? Sir David Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> it's future. Break, breaking news. Shane Watson. No, slightly older than that. Older than Watson. They overlap. Overlap. We're not going to have to. English or Australian? English. English. Matthew Hoggard? Yes. Hoggard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hoggard. Yeah. 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 I know oh, that I because Chris's I... Chris's wife never witnesses a crime. That's <laughs> <laughs> even identical description. <laughs> Not even Matthew Hoggard's mother would recognise that description. Uh, right, at the end of that penultimate round, what are the scores, Chris? Uh, the Wendy Wimbush Warriors have 14, Douglas Jardine's Lucky Iguana Memorial 2 have 13. Oh, oh. Um, so, just one round to go. Some more breaking news. Uh, coming ahead of the One Day series, Jonathan Trott, in an effort to improve uh, and uh, his public profile, has announced that he will be unveiling a new shot in the One Day series, the <laughs> Jonathan Trott snooker shot. He's been working on a shot which involves kneeling with one hand bridged on the ground as the bowler bowls, <laughs> then thrusting the bat through like a snooker cue to knock the white ball down the ground with a bit of left hand side to swerve it around the mid-off fielder. Um, <laughs> ICC rules do not currently stipulate whether or not a batsman can chalk the end of his bat handle, which could prove absolutely critical to the uh, to the um, shot success. There we go. And DRS. That's that, and that too. It's a fact. Uh, right, we're on to the final round now, which is an actual quiz round. The buzzers are really going to earn their corn. Oh, no, is it facts? Um, it's partial facts. <laughs> um, it will start with a quick-fire quiz. You just have to answer the the questions on the buzzers and then it will finish with a pseudo quiz nine questions the answers are numbers between one and nine all of those numbers crop up only once in the quiz but we'll do the quick fire section first right on the buzzers question one heads or tails heads. ian heads is tails i'm afraid yes uh, yeah uh, yes wait or no ian wait Wait, I'm afraid you'll run out. The answer was no. Um, <laughs> of course, indecision. Uh, in one noise, summarise David Warner's ashes. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was how it started. Hick. Hick. Yes. Good. What, as in a drunken no, not as in Graham. Not as in Graham, as he keeps getting out, flashing outside the off thumb. That's good enough for me. Okay. Uh, it, after the successful rebranding of Ian Bell as the sledgehammer of eternal justice, what... <laughs> What should Australia rename Phil Hughes as? Ian Bell. <laughs> it's worth a go. And finally, the chapels. Greg, Ian, Trevor or Sistine? <laughs> Hap eggs. Sorry? Chapel hap eggs. I just got that one. Hap eggs. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll do for me. Right. Okay, Thanks. now we're on to the pseudo quiz. So nine questions. Each of these have a genuine answer between one and nine. <laughs> Inclusive. Uh, okay, question one. Um, how many different number three batsmen have Australia used since the 2010-11 Ashes? Five. 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 Five.
Five. No. Eight. No. Nine. Nine. Right, good. Right. It's the correct answer. Nine different numbers. Wow. None of them night watchmen either. Uh, how many number three batsmen have hit a six against England in their last 36 tests? Yes. Two. Correct. I saw you write that on Twitter. All right, yeah, there we go. That's, uh, <laughs> Shane, Shane Watson was the, the second, the previous one, Azhar Ali, the Pakistan grinder. Uh, how many monosyllabic names are in the England team at the Oval in this test? Three. No. Five. No. Six. No, I've realised with this quiz that I hadn't thought through. <laughs> we have to wait for people to get the right answer, otherwise it simply isn't going to work. It's not six. Seven. Seven is the oh, correct oh, oh, oh. answer. Seven monosyllables, which I think might be an all-time test record. I have not worked that out. Gideon, you probably know that. You, you've probably got every single test 11. Well, it wasn't Sri Lanka. It was certainly not Sri Lanka. I was going to say, it's a... Uh... It's a dark day for the making of nicknames, is all I can say. <laughs> all I have to do is add an E to That's the end right. of each name. It's lazy, isn't it? Mm. I think that might be part of the reasoning in the selection, to just you know, keep getting monosyllabic players in. That's got to be why Wokes was picked ahead of Kerrigan. Trump. That's why Wokesy. Kerrigan was in to up these. That Kerrigan, yeah. yeah. Kerrigan. That's why the only reason yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't call Kerrigan. Uh, number of... Uh, how many beards were there in England's 1981 Headingley team? <laughs> <laughs> well, should we start from the top? Yep. Okay. Gooch. Yep. Uh, Gatting. Botham. Yep. Gatting. Old. Yep. Um, Gatting, yeah, that's right. Um, six. No. Eight. No. <laughs> so Three. The answer's five. I've not thought this through. Four. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how many different positions in Australia's top six has Shane Watson batted in eight tests this year? How many different positions in the top six has Watson batted in? Four. No. Five. No. Six. Six is the correct answer. He's now batted in all six. And finally, how many pet iguanas does Jonathan Trott own? One. Yeah. Eight. Oh, Shit, eight. really? <laughs> eight. It's obvious, really. Eight. Wow. And a lot of slow-moving <laughs> lizards. And that more, says an awful more lot. More geckos than you can throw. <laughs> Chris, you might need to edit that down a bit, mate. <laughs> uh, that brings us to the end of that nail-biting quiz. What is the final score? Uh, resurgent. Uh, the Wendy Wimbush Warriors have 16. But uh, Douglas Jardine, amazing performance from the Lucky Iguana Memorial 2. They have 80. So, before we put this quiz in, do we get an extra three in. points for playing a song? Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, all right, all right. <laughs> Yes, you did say that out loud. <laughs> An extra five points if you don't play this. <laughs> Quick predictions for the return Ashes. I think for the test will be monsooned off, and then there'll be a plague of locusts for the fifth one. You sound like you've, you sound like you've got inside information on that. Yes, there'll be no winners, no games at all. Right. No footage for Sky. David Guerra sitting there at eight hours a day. Talking about spin bowling to Shane Warren. Right. That would make good time. Michael Howling sitting there looking like he's going to kill them all with just the rays from his eyes. So there you go, that's my prediction. But, 
Gideon, <laughs> well, you're, taking, you're taking punt on you know the future fitness of a few key players. You know, if if you could be guaranteed that Harris was going to play in all five tests, I, I would give Australia a chance of sharing the series. But I, you'd be a a brave yes. man who would who would bet on that eventuality. Yeah. And what about the locusts? The locusts, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean that's going to really influence your decision at the top, it is. isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we thought the wicket could be good for batting earlier on. Obviously, there's going to be a plague of locusts on the third day. So we'll thought it was better bat first. Well, you know, it's going to be an important yeah. uh, I think there'll be five results. Right. Um, and I suspect England will come out 3-2, let's say. Three two, but good series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, that brings the greatest test to a spectacular climax. Very uh, much like Series 6 of 24, uh, but more so. Um, uh, and to play us out for the series, ladies and gentlemen. Not for you. We have a pop. <laughs> please, please. May locusts plague your life. <laughs> I'm only messing, of course we'll do this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Duckworth Lewis method. <laughs> Well, you can uh, you can make me. I can have a look at it as well. We've only written it last week. Oh, you know how. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. Okay, starts in D. Yeah, I know. Two, three, <laughs> four. Shadow of a doorway, she is standing like a lost child, 
old woman is screaming, the crowd's becoming hostile. My thoughts have been diluted like a two and six novella. Am I in a field in England or in the dark streets of Vienna? Super Trump moment. Hey, hey! <laughs> hey, hey! Daniel Radcliffe part. Oh yeah. Well, we're, yeah, we're basically interchangeable. So. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I tell you who would absolutely hate that that song. Go on. Michael Atherton. And <laughs> 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 uh, that lady there. Actually, <laughs> Michael Clark, because he refuses to put someone down when bells play. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they'll be playing that on the PA system in the series in Australia to try and prompt him to put the third down. <laughs> Uh, so, thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen, to the Duckworth Lewis Method. Um, yes. Thomas O'Neill, to Gideon Haig, Paul Sinha, Ian Moore. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for listening on the podcasts. We'll be back sometime in the future. Goodbye. Cheers.